I'll start with a nice word on Parshas Kadoshim for the Maya Shiloyach, for the Ishbitzer. The Pusik says Kadoshim Tiki Kudish Uni. So he brings the Chazal, Chazal says, Kolbe Asura Shkinta Sharia. Wherever you have Kolbe Asura, wherever you have 10 people, 10 Yidin together, the Shkin is there. Hashem is there. Just 10 people. Any 10 people don't you need any tzaddik, any special Tamachuchim. 10 people from Kal Yisro that are together, there's a Shurus Hashkina. And Hashem wants that when there's a Shurus Hashkina, it should be highly a place. Hashem doesn't want to have to bring a Shkina in a place that's not uh, Kudosh. So he says, Dabr call it Das Bena Yisroel, Aida. Chazal teaches Aida, we learn from Das Koyrech actually, uh, not such a holy Aida, but Aida means 10 people. 10 people from Yiddish Kinder. 10, 10 Yiddish Kinder, you have the Shkina there. Dabr call it Das Bena Yisroel, tell any Aida of Yidin that I'm going to be there. And that's why I'm asking them, Kadesh Mti. Make sure to be Haidik, make sure to be Kudesh. Why? Kudesh only, because I'm, I'm Kudesh. And if I have to come, and I'm going to come, Hashem is telling you, I'll call back to the Sharia, then make sure I feel comfortable over there. So it's not just that Hashem is saying, Kadesh Mti, so that I can come. I'm coming. And because I'm coming, I want to make sure that, that uh, I feel comfortable there. That's what Hashem is telling us. And I think that one of the most important um, places of Hashem Sashchina is the Yiddish Ashtib. Now, of course, we know that Ish uh, Zuchi, Shkhin Ashir Benayim. If you Zoycha, then there's Ashur Sashchina at home. The Yiddish Ashtib is a Migdash Ma'at, and there's Ashur Sashchina there, not a question. We believe in that. But what about Loi Zuchi? If, if it's Zuchi or not Zuchi, Hashem is there. In every Yiddish Ashtib, with his children, you're raising children, there's Hashem's children, Shulah Shit from Udam, right? There's a father, mother, and Hashem. We're all this together. Hashem is there, and He wants to be there. And He wants us to, to run a Yiddish Ashtib the way He wants, that He can feel comfortable there. A lot of times there's a lot of uh, idealism, let's call it, with a chusen kala, right? Uh, every chusen going to his chusen rebbe, his madrech, every kala going to her kala teacher. You hear all these nice uh, fantasy ideas about a, about a, a migdash ma'at, about building a, a place of Ashur Sashchina. And in theory, you know, when you hear it, it's, it's not a joke. You know, it sounds so uh, spiritual, it sounds so beautiful. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to, to almost forget about it. Now I don't mean to say that people aren't um, aren't erlich at home, or that, that, that everyone's doing the wrong thing. I'm saying that the sprach, you know, the, the language and the terms we use when we talk about a chus and kala building a yiddish ashtib, sounds so lofty and so holy, and you almost don't hear people talk like that afterwards. Now what happened? Was it a game? Was it a joke? Or was you just making believe? But that's how it is with everything, you know. You talk about every bar mitzvah. You'll hear people saying about a bar mitzvah being bucher being makabel omach shemayim, coming to the altar of mitzvahs, becoming part of the army of Hashem, and a lot of that kind of talk. You don't hear people talk about that when you're talking to fifteen-year-old boys, right? Why? Because I don't know. Now already you're dealing with the, you know, with the, with the, with the real stuff. I don't, I don't know. I guess now we're just. That's how it is sometimes. Before you're there, it sounds like something so, you know, so beautiful. But really, that's what it is. It really is. And sometimes we have to be reminded of it, and we have to think about it, and we have to remind ourselves that, yes, this is a place of Ashur Sashchina. This is a place where I want Hashem to be happy. This home, this is the one that we were talking about before I got married, that this will be a place of Ashur Sashchina. And Hashem is here. You know, famous story about Hashem Muhammad Orbach, who didn't want to ask his wife Mechila, who said he doesn't have to ask his wife Mechila because he never heard her feelings. And they say about him that when he, once before he came home, somebody noticed that he was fixing his hat and his jacket or whatever it was. He said that, you know, it's a place of going to a place of Ashur Sashchina. Everything, he's talking about an old man. He was, he was no youngster then, that's how the story goes. But he still saw it in that light. And the only way to do that is to keep on hearing and keep on talking, keep on being reminded of the fact that a Yiddish Ashtib is a, is a Heiliger Platz. It's a Yiddish Ashtib. It has to be run like a Yiddish Ashtib. Very often, certain ideas that we know that a Yiddish Ashtib should, in theory, be running by, but in real life, it's not like that. 
It's like everything else. You know, you talk about you know being Mavro Midoisa, for example. Such a beautiful concept, right? Tamid Rebakiva, Sfiris Oimer, you know, Maisi Tamid Rebakiva, Mavro Midoisa. But then when somebody actually hurts your feelings, you don't even put two and two together. This guy's an idiot, and I'm not going to stand for this anymore. And how could he do that? And I'm going to teach him. Like what happened? Mavro Midoisa was when we were sitting in Shul, but a Perkei Elvis Derosha, you know, that's when that's when Mavro Midoisa came in to connect the dots and actually apply and implement a lot of these ideas in real life, in a real Yiddish Shtib, where there are Shula Shit from Baudam, and there are a lot of things going on over there, emotional and physical and mental stress uh, going on, and to be able to still remember that, you know, what I'm trying to set up over here is something more real than that, and something that can, over, that help, can help me overcome a lot of these stresses and difficulties, and that's very important. So with that, let me, let me read a question here. I think it actually came in two parts, but I just put it together a little bit. Thank you very much for your sure. I'm gaining tremendously and am slowly putting many of the concepts to work. Okay, thank you. And one year you spoke about the role of the wife and her obligations toward her husband. Baruch Hashem, I'm happily married, but I definitely don't look at my position in the marriage in the way you described. For example, you mentioned that the reason why women are not obligated in mitzvah shazman groma is because if her husband would ask her to do something at the time, she would have a conflict. I never looked at my husband asking me to do something as an obligation, similar to have to do something my parents told me to do. And I was learning the story of Shimshon's mother and how she was machnia to her husband. And I know I have a lot of work, a lot to work on in this area. This is especially hard for me as I sometimes feel like I have more cycle in certain areas than my husband and he agrees with me. If my husband does not view himself in that role and would never think of telling me what to do, how does that avoid the play out? He was getting very annoyed that I was talking about being machnia to him. He's not very comfortable with the idea. One example, when, I, when he comes home in the spring, months, and I haven't davened Mincha yet, he will always take care of the kids so I could daven. He never thinks of himself as somebody I need to be there for. I know this applies in certain areas of conflict, that if this is the way he wants it done, I will do it that way. But are there other areas where this is practical? I'm looking for a cipher to learn on this subject, English or Lashna Kaidish. I do not want to read The Surrendered Wife for various reasons, the main one being that I want to change in this area not in order to make my marriage happier, as I'm quite happy, but because that's the way Hashem wants my marriage to be, and I know it will be good. I need more chizik from a Torah perspective to make this concept that is unfortunately very new to me, something I can appreciate and do. If you know of anything, it could be help. It would be helpful. Thank you again. Okay. Very nice question. Very nice letter. Um, I'm not going to give any references or recommendations over here. I actually did by email, but I'm not going to mention that now. Um, but let's just try to address certain points over here of this, of this letter. It starts off by saying that thanking me, thank you for that, and that you're gaining tremendously and slowly putting many of the concepts to work, and that this is new to you, right? Just like anything that we want to learn and attain and achieve, anything, especially anything that's not natural, especially anything that's not natural, um, definitely takes a lot of consistency and a lot of time and patience and a lot of review to get into it. Sometimes people learn certain ideas, I'm saying in general, in general, whether it's ideas of Amin HaBetochim, which are not natural to a person to, to be, you know, to be into Amin HaBetochim, to really re- rely on Hashem, be very faithful, and it's not natural. So when you learn about it sometimes, sometimes people will pick up a book about uh, teaching Amin HaBetochim, just as an example, after a few pages or after a book or two, you feel like, okay, so I know this already, okay, anything new? It's not about getting new inspiration, it's not about getting new ideas, it's, it's about keeping the inspiration going, because when it's unnatural to you, if you don't have that reminder, you're not reminded of the ultimate truth, you're not reminded of what really should be happening, then, then you're going to always fall back into what's natural for a person. That's how we're wired. That's how all, all of Rachnius and Gashmius works. If we don't remind ourselves of what Hashem wants, we're going to forget, because that's not what we want naturally. 
And even if in a certain time, a certain period, we're into it, then we can fall back out of it. This is, so, you know, this is definitely something that's not just logic and information. It's something that takes time to penetrate. It's something to keep on going. That's why I, I say this shirim every week. Um, most people who listen to me for a few weeks in a row know approximately what I'm going to say. It's not, it's not all that new. On the contrary, I'm pretty consistent. That's what people tell me. And the idea is to keep on hearing and keep on you know, having those reminders to know how to make relationships work and strong bias work and, and do what we're supposed to do. So the fact that you know, it, it takes time and the fact that it's talking about natural and the fact that it's maybe hard for you or new to you, you know, this is all normal and that's what we're all trying to do together. You know, to keep on reviewing that which we know we should be doing. And Mr. Shum talks about that in Agdoma. I'm not here to say Chedishim, I'm here to keep on reminding the things that we tend to forget. Anyway, back to a, woman, a woman's role over here. Right? You said I spoke about the woman's role, something I talk about often, obligations to her husband. I want to make something clear, and I think I, I probably spoke about this in the past. Today's, today's generation is definitely not into um, you know, making women take a second-class a second class seat, and it's an age of feminism, and you know, we're all equal, and whatever else. I'll talk about that in a moment. But I think that what people make, I, I think a big mistake that people have sometimes is that it's either or. Either women are important people that play a significant um, role in society, and they have a lot to contribute, and they're very capable, and very whatever, or they're taking second place, and the men are the ones that are really doing the real thing, and a woman is just there to serve her husband, and help him serve Hashem, and you know, all the dirty work, and the housework, and whatever else. It's a very big mistake, I'm not sure where people get that from. I think it's important, like most things in life, to be able to understand where it may seem contradictory and then realize that it's not all a big steer. Right? We know that the Chazal teaches, for example, Avruam, Megayer, Anushim, Sur Megayeris, Hanushim. I mean, in their work that they were each doing, forget about the fact that he was doing it in the, you know, the men's section, she in the women's section. But I'm saying, in general, the work that they were, that they were each doing, personally, was the same work. And the, same, the same work. It wasn't just like secondary or almost as good. It was the same work. It's not that Avramovini was dealing with the adults and sort of with the children or anything like that. It was, no, it was the same work. He with the men, she with the women. On a personal level, a woman could be doing everything as important and as good and maybe even better sometimes than her husband's doing. It's only when it comes in the context of marriage and the relationship of Yiddish Hashtib, that's where things change a little bit. The relationship of husband and wife and the way they interact with each other, that's where the respect that a woman has for her husband should be more than the, than the respect that, that he has to have for her. That's where he does come first, and that's where his decisions might come before hers. That's where she's, she's, she, she's here to let him run the shtib and have the final say and show the respect that the children should be having and all that. But in, a, in her personal life, there's no reason why she shouldn't be um, striving for and, and, and achieving more things. More things. The fact that Hashem um, says that when it comes to Mitzvah Shazman he doesn't want a woman to be as obligated, that, that's a separate thing. And that, that's something I, I didn't make this up myself, um, by the way. You mentioned that I, I said that, that it, it's so that she could be available for her husband. This is uh, the sources in the Avidram. He talks about the fact that Nushim Zanaputra from Mitzvah Shazman Grumma, because she's Meshabedis Labal, Lassas Truchov. The Kolbe brings it from the Saifa Malam. He's talking about the Rashoinim. Talk about this. That Hashem set up the Nakaiva to be an Aizer for the Zuchar. Right? And he Imshelbach. And that's why when it comes to certain mitzvahs, if she would be too obligated at a certain specific times, to what Avon Shachas Mincham Arav, and her husband wants something, I gotta go and be able to have that free pass that the men have, it wouldn't work. So Hashem definitely, you know, that's the, the, the reasoning that a lot of Rishonim give why women are put of Mitzvah Shema But I'm saying in their own personal life, there's no reason why they shouldn't be doing as much or even more than, than a man could be doing. And wherever it's not a contradiction to Oyser Tzayim Ba'ala, 
However, it's not a contradiction of being available for a husband, then, then there's no reason for anyone to feel like, like or, or think in any way that a woman is less than a man. It's, 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 it's silly. It's almost like saying that because a child has to respect his parents, so that means he's, he's, second, he's second place to his parents. Well, they're second place to their parents. That's only in the relationship that they have with each other. But on their own, there's no reason to... Uh... And yeah, it, it, it can contradict over there as well, which means if a child sees that it's either respecting my parent or Hashem, then the halacha is that he says, Tati, I'm sorry, I can help you now. Now I'm serving Hashem. Right? In certain, in certain instances. Certain instances. Where, you know, My point is just that the Hashem set it up this way. Hashem decides when who should pick what over who when it comes to certain contradictory obligations. But on a personal level, it's not a question that women could be as or more significant or do a better job than their husbands and whatever it is. As a matter of fact, in, any, in, in halochas you find that the women in, 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 in learning whatever pertains to them. Okay, go ahead. If you, if you know the halochas of the kitchen better than your husband, then by all means, on a personal level, you may have done better than he did. But in the role of marriage, it's not a question that the husband is the king and the woman is the queen. I spoke about it. he becomes a king when he's your king and if you can treat him like a shmata he's not a king and he's not a queen anymore and it's definitely something about uh, the woman there to promote her husband's honor and show him respect and like you say well I understand the context of when he wants something and I don't and things like that but what about other ideas that's a very big idea it's a very big idea to know that he takes first place and this is not like a the, the example I give sometimes it's not my example but the, the analogy of the pilot co-pilot I don't know how it works in the cockpit I don't know, I'm not sure if a co-pilot has his own responsibilities or not, or he just takes over when the pilot goes to sleep, and he's there just in case. But in any case, it would seem that the pilot is the pilot, and the co-pilot is like the secretary. I mean, the co- I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what his function is in terms of running the plane, but a woman has her own function in running the home, and in those functions, she's not doing it to serve her husband, she's doing it because she's important of her, on her own. She's doing so much. So much of the chinuch, so much of everything. So it's definitely not... Uh, it's not a secondary or insignificant role that a woman has. Now, like I said, like I started off saying today, it's very unpopular to talk like that. It's a, it's a, it's a generation of equality and and uh, feminism and ladies first and being self sufficient. And it's, de- it's definitely not the Torah way. It's not the Torah way. I I must have mentioned this in the past. I'm, I heard this from Elter uh, He's already you know, not from the youngsters today, but he said his grandmother once said that when when her father came home one day, and told Grandma and the family that we're moving, we're picking up and leaving, for whatever reason, he felt he had to leave. It could be he gave the reason, could be didn't give the reason. Everyone started packing up, and they started going. That's just how it went. Now, I know it wasn't always like that. I don't want to make it sound like a fairy tale where everyone just always did what the father wanted. He said, today's day and age, there's no such thing anymore. It's like, no, where are we going? Why are you going? He didn't tell me. He didn't ask me. He said, there was a certain structure, the way Yiddish Hashti was built, and part of it was because the woman couldn't do anything without her husband. He brought home the panusa. He was the one that was running this. He was the one that was paying the rent. He, there was nothing a woman could do. She was just, you know, taking instruction. Today, it's, it's just the opposite. You know, Karayin Hora, a lot of women are very capable. A lot of them are bringing a lot of money. And it's very good. A lot of them are helping their husbands, helping their income. It's not easy to, to help those hashtib with kinder and everything else. And I think it's wonderful when women step up to the plate and help out with, with bringing in income. But the idea that women could be and want to be self-sufficient is sometimes a problem. I've seen this many times in problematic relationships. One of the first things a woman tries to do is to protect herself. I gotta get myself a job. I gotta get myself a job. Why? What do you mean? I have to have money. I, I can't. I can't live like this. I can't live in the fear of me not being able to support myself just in case something happens. I can't live with the feeling that I have to ask you for money. 
I can't handle that. So many people have told me this. I have to leave my wife every week an envelope of cash, a certain amount in a certain place. I have to do that. Why do you have to do that? If you don't leave it there, she, she can ask you for the money. She doesn't want to have to ask. I'm not saying that a woman should have to ask her husband for every dollar she wants to spend. But the, a, a woman who says, you better leave me this amount of money in the beginning of the week because I don't want to ask you for anything, that's not healthy and it's not toiletic. If you have a problem asking, unless your husband hits you when you ask, but in general, if you have a problem asking, you're getting the money anyway, so I assume he's not, he's not hitting you. But if you have a problem asking, is it okay if I spend something or could you please leave me some money tomorrow? I need this amount for this thing. Maybe it's a problem. Like I said, you don't have to ask for every dollar. He could give you money on his own. But this issue of, I don't want to ask, and I'm not going to ask, and I don't need you, and I want to make my own money, and I have my own money, I'm working on my own. As if if she's earning her own money, she's allowed to spend it on her own. The point is just, this is not coming from a healthy place. Somebody told me just recently, last week, his wife tells him, clearly, whenever there's opportunity to earn more, or whatever it is, you know, sometimes he's thinking about different investments, different jobs, whatever. She tells him clearly, I don't, I don't, want, I don't, want, you to do I don't want you to have too much money. I'm afraid when you have too much money, you'll be too confident, you'll be too this. She likes when he doesn't have a lot of money. Like this, you know, he's like a little loser, and he has to pay the bills, and he's not so confident with himself. Not so different than from what somebody once told me, that he likes that his wife struggles with her weight, because as long as she's overweight, she's lacking confidence. Again, this is a very unhealthy way of hoping that somebody stays, you know, stays uh, humble. We find the Chazal by Koen Gudl, HaKoen Agudl Me'echav. If he doesn't have his own money, the kind we want to be a very chush of a person looked up to, we give him money. We get everyone to give some money so he's rich and now everyone's going to respect him. Respecting a husband and knowing that he comes first and that he's your king means I want you to have the money, sir. sir. I want you to have my money. I want, to be, I want to have to ask, I feel good asking you and showing you that you're the boss. Now, of course, nothing to an extreme and nothing to a point where it becomes abusive and it becomes humiliating. I, I, I know... I'm not going to wait for the comments of it's not healthy that way and it shouldn't be that way and it should be respectful both ways. Of course. But there's something about wanting a husband to be first place and, and feeling good about the fact that he's, that he's first place. And that's, that's an attitude that, that's uh, healthy. And it's not about him enforcing it or demanding it. You mentioned that my husband doesn't feel comfortable with me being machnia. You'd have to talk to him about it. You'd have to make him uncomfortable with it. And you'd have to wait till he demands it and say, well, he's not asking me for that. He doesn't have to ask for it. It's, it's, about, it's an attitude. It's an attitude. Now, you say he, he agrees that you're smarter than him. I don't know if he does, or, or he doesn't have a choice, or he's trying to make it, or he's just a nice guy and he's trying to make it sound like that, but it doesn't make a difference. You could be smarter than him. Your children could be smarter than you too. Your children could be smarter than you. There's something about showing respect. How you show respect? Of course, in a way that somebody feels good about it. You know, Hilchas Kibbutz of Hawaii, very unconventional today. Uh, you almost don't find that when a, when a father or mother come into the room, you get up, you stand up. I saw my father do it. I try to do it myself as well. But very unpopular today. Now some people might say, well, my, my father doesn't ask me to. He doesn't have to ask you to. It's your own obligation. When your father walks into the room, you get up for him. Uh, my point is just the opposite. What if, what if somebody's father walks into the room and he gets up and the father can't handle it either because he didn't grow up with it or because he grew up a Yankee doodle with some secular culture and he does, doesn't know how to eat it. Are you getting up for me? Why standing up? I don't need that. It doesn't talk to me. It could be that if he doesn't like it and tells you not to, you shouldn't. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean you should say now, well, he doesn't handle when I respect him. So find other ways to be respectful. So find other ways. Sometimes you talk to someone with respect. Sometimes you ask someone their opinion and you're showing respect. Sometimes when he does voice an opinion, you, you show him how much you respect that opinion and how much you're willing to work along with it. It doesn't mean you don't have a voice. It doesn't mean women are insignificant. It doesn't mean that women are just there to follow along and to hide in the corner and be, be heard and not seen or seen and not heard or neither. Of course not. In healthy relationships, every husband wants their wife to be a big part of their life. 
a big part of decision making, a big part of discussing, a big part of sharing a burden together, and doing everything together as partners. As a matter of fact, the husband is just as mechiv in the Ahava Kegifa, Mechab the Yoyse Megifa. The word COVID, which the Ramam talks about, Chazal, is definitely as important for husbands to be respectful of women, of wives as well. But this obligation and this honor and this shibbat that a wife has to a husband is definitely on a different level. And if she's not obligated to learn Torah, and not obligated to do certain mitzvahs, not obligated to do a lot of things so that she's available for him, while he is technically obligated in a lot of things, and he's not always available for her, it says something. And so, many, so often I hear the opposite. So many women are too, so busy and so obligated on obligations that they accept it upon themselves and they feel they're obligated or committed and they don't have time for their husband. Not available. Like, I still have to do this and I still have to do that. And this person comes first and that sister and this commitment and that gemach and that I don't know what. And when it comes the other way around, you have, again, same problem. You have a husband who want to daven and want to learn and want to do certain uh, mitzvahs or whatever it is. Why do you have to do it that way? Why do you have to go to this shul? Why do you come home late? Why do you do that? Now again, I don't, I, I don't want to make it sound uneven over here. I'm not here to bash women. I'm not here to, to stick up for husbands. Like I said, COVID and respect and, and, and taking each other seriously and consideration goes both ways. Not a question. Not a question. But if you're asking if this is the role of a wife and if hearing about it and talking about it and getting more familiar with this as time goes on makes it easier for you to do, then it's not a question that there are many ways to show respect and a lot of it has to do with an attitude you know, and, and, and looking for opportunities. So like I said, you don't want to be annoying. You don't want to be annoying. Um, but you want to be respectful. You should know, there, there are, there's like the stereotype of, uh, you know, no women do this, and you know, the joke about the two types of women, the one that, that's uh, ready for a husband, and waiting with a smile, and serving supper, uh, you know, with a good word, and, and making sure he's taken care of, and giving him the support and acknowledgement, there's that kind of woman, of woman, of wife, and then there's the other kind that we all have, that's how the joke goes. But you should know, when I hear people describe sometimes, I do, um, Obviously, there's not people coming to me for Shumbayas um, sessions and, and consultations. When I hear someone telling me, oh, my wife, she's so considerate, she's so supportive, and if not for her, I wouldn't be able to do it. And wow, I respect it. I respect it. There is such a thing. And, and you should know there is such a thing. And everyone should know there's such a thing. And it's important to know that, that when you look for opportunities to show respect, it doesn't have to be out of the box or revolutionary. You know, you don't have to do anything uh, amazing. It's day-to-day. The, you know, the daily routine and the daily relationship definitely offers a lot of a lot of uh, opportunities to be respectful of someone. And on the contrary, some people take a look for the big things, you know. Somebody's telling me for his birthday, you know what my wife does for my birthday? She's making for the birthday and the birthday. Now, of course, she's sharing on Instagram and, and inviting other people for the birthday party and a lot of other things she's doing, so I don't know if she's doing it for her husband or not. But what about after the birthday? I mean, from one birthday to the next takes about a year for most people. And, and he said the rest of the year, there's nothing doing. So the fact that she makes a big deal about his birthday and then uses it against him, you know what it is for your birthday? You know what it is for your birthday? Why are you doing my birthday? Be respectful, be a mensch. And so, again, it's only a mushal. It's an idea that we always have to take into consideration. Sometimes we try to take people seriously on our terms without realizing what they really need. And that's something to think about. Now, you mentioned that you're not doing this till you want to become happier because you're already happy, you're happily married. You want to do this more because it's what you're supposed to do. Shem Shemayim. It's a wonderful thing. It happens to be that very many women are not happy because they're not doing this. They don't realize that they'd be happier when they do surrender um, on some level and fighting your whole life to be the one in charge when really you're not, and you know you're not, but you still want to be, and your husband's letting it, another, it's just a stressful game that many people aren't happy about. But even if you are happy, or for whatever reason, any benudin lechavayro in general, benudin lechavayro benishle ishte, anything that you'll do with a Lashem Shemayim motive of this is what Hashem wants, in some cases it just makes it easier. 
I don't want to be nice to my neighbor. I don't think they deserve it. I don't want to be nice to my sister because she won't even notice. I don't want to be nice to this person in shul because then people will laugh at me for having a relationship with him. Very often when it's just on an interpersonal level, is it going to make me happy or is it good or, or should I or do I have to? Sometimes over there we get stuck with why should I, why me, I don't want to, the resentments and the past. And the, but when there's an element of the Shem Shemayim, like I started off, I want to run the way Hashem wants, I want Hashem to be comfortable here. And I do acknowledge and I do realize that Hashem is a big part of my life and my home. And I want to run that the way He's going to feel most comfortable coming into my home. I think that's definitely something that could promote and encourage us to work on the Ishvi Isha Zuchi Shri Banaim. And like I said before, I don't want this to sound like a shir for women. I don't give shirin for women. I think that every husband who's going to work harder on the Oyhavo Kegifa, Mechabda Yosem Megifa, will also be promoting an attitude and an atmosphere of Ishvi Isha Zuchi Shri Banaim. I think whoever's um, working on any kind of Mavrami Doisav, you know, is definitely promoting an atmosphere of Kedoshim Ti and Ashur Sashchina. I think any children growing up in a home where, where Tati and Mamig were respectful of each other is growing up in a healthier and Erlichere Yiddish Ashtib, something they could, they could, they could promote and, and, and keep on going. But anyone who has the opportunity on their side to be more respectful, especially when it's a woman for a husband knowing that that's a Torah Digga way, and stopping to fight the system, and stopping, you know, trying to show how it doesn't have to be that way, and why me, and how come I have to, and I, I don't like this, and I, I do want it. When you do things the way Hashem wants, we're all more happy, we're all, uh, you know, more tzafrid, the, the shtib, and everything is just a happier place, and I, myself, we can live together.